Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Cyber CFO, the show for business owners from an entrepreneurial chief financial officer. Here's your host, Michael Barberita. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Michael Barberita, and in my company is Next Step CFO, where I help companies improve cash flow and increase profits through the use of tools and strategic planning. And I am also the Cyber CFO and the host of this show. And today, I'm going to provide some what I call tough love to all of you business owners out there. And if, if you are off track, I'm going to try to get you back on track because today I'm going to work towards getting your mindset to get down to business and to make sure you're running your business like a business and this show is going to run a little longer than most of my shows but I'd like to start my show today by having you listen to the first 40 seconds of a world championship horse race and the only horse I want you to listen for is a horse named Zenyatta that name again is Zenyatta. And by the way, Zenyatta is the only female in the race. Regal Ransom bounced away quickly. Zenyatta is dead last. Zenyatta's dead last early. It's Regal Ransom going on. Gio Fonti, Einstein is right there. Colonel John in the white colors. Summerbird has the red cap in the Vanguard too. Rip Van Winkle is on the outside and twice over racing right behind them. They tightly grouped and not in a big hurry out on the lead. Then it's Awesome Jim. Gio Fonti's back fourth last. Been followed then by Richard's kid. Then comes Mind That Bird and Zenyatta is dead last. Zenyatta Got to be giving them about 10, 11 lane start. Zenyatta is dead last. I want you to remember that because I will play the rest in a minute. An entrepreneur is like a thoroughbred. And a thoroughbred is a rare breed. Because no matter how far out of the race they are, they're always giving 100%. That is the way a business owner who is serious about their business needs to be. And this is one of the characteristics that you must have if you're going to own and operate your own business. Because an entrepreneur is the same way. And with respect to the pure entrepreneur, no matter how high the bills are piling up, no matter what adversities they may face with people, payroll, customers, and suppliers, and no matter how down and out they are, they keep going. They keep giving 100%. And you know why? Because at any moment, the true entrepreneur knows that he could be one big account away from making it. One BJ's Wholesale Club account away from making it. One Microsoft account away. One big four-day super retail sale away from making it. From having that day in the sun, that one shining moment that feels so spectacular. And the entrepreneur knows 
that they can go from dead last to the top of the mountain in a blink of an eye. Is next in awesome jam. Gio Conti's behind that, then Richard's kid, and now here's Zenyatta. And let's see, Zenyatta has a lot, a lot of ground to make up. Zenyatta, if she wins this, she'll be a super horse. She's starting to pick them off, though. Zenyatta gonna hook to the outside. Meanwhile, it's Colonel John, Summer Bird in the red cap. And Zenyatta's come to the outside. Zenyatta coming flying on the grandstand side. Gio Conti on the inside. Summer Bird is right there. This is unbelievable! Zenyatta, what a performance! One will never forget. Looked impossible, but it is Zenyatta, still unbeaten under Mike Smith. Gio Conti second, Summer Bird, and then Richards Kid. What a dramatic performance! One of the most sensational ever. Zenyatta wins the Breeders' Cup Classic. Looked impossible, the announcer said. However, Zenyatta went from dead last to the top of the mountain because no matter where she was in that race, she always gave 100%. And that is the spirit that drives the passion within the entrepreneur. And that's the spirit to which I'm speaking to you today. You know, I, I just listened to a horse race and I'm kind of in a betting mood. And I'm betting that with respect to each and every one of the listeners, of you listeners out there, with respect to your businesses, that each and every one of you are sitting at the control panel of a rocket ship that is ready to take off if it hasn't already. So the question is, are you treating your business like that rocket ship that's ready to take off? Well, given that, let, let me segue into what you're signing up for when you decide you want to go into business and the characteristics you need if you're going to treat your business like a business instead of just some hobby. What are you signing up for? Well, first of all, you're signing up for a commitment to success. And this is really the starting point. And what does it mean, a commitment to success? Well, it means different things to different people. Let me, let me explain to you how John Wooden defines success. It's one simple statement. But before I get into that, you should know who John Wooden is. John Wooden was the most successful college basketball coach, or maybe coach, of all time. He won 10 national championships, and seven of those national championships were in a row, which probably is a record that will never be broken. He did uh, pass away just last week at the ripe old age of 99. And one other accomplishment that John Wooden had is that he engineered an 88-game win streak, which spanned, I think it was three and a half years. And like I said, unfortunately, he did pass away just last week at the ripe old age of 99. But John Wooden defined success as, success is a peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing that you did your best to become the best you are capable of becoming. Now, this is certainly a great definition. And you could even probably go on Google to find other definitions of success. But no matter how great that definition of success is, you, the entrepreneur, you, the business owner, must define success as what it means to you. And, when, and then, right after you define success, you must answer the question, do you want to run your business like a business and be successful as you define it? But before you answer that question, 
there is a price oh what a price a price that needs to be paid in order to accomplish that and it once you decide that you've got to understand that when you decide that there is a price and one of the prices you pay is long hours why long hours because a business has an insatiable appetite for producing productive work and there are so many things that you can do and, and be better at let me just give you just fundamentals and even just these fundamentals take time and, and develop long hours as some of you know I am a part-time CFO I work with companies from startup to 10 million in sales who can't afford or don't require the services of a full-time chief financial officer and when my clients get off track or start to lose money or start to become unsteady I go back and review these basic business fundamentals with them the blocking and tackling if you will the passing and dribbling the first question is what business are you in and this seems so mundane but it is absolutely essential because if you do not know what business you are in you are you're going to be scattered instead of focused the next question is you need to know who the customer is if you do not really understand who the customer is you're gonna burn a lot of rubber the third question fundamental business how does the customer perceive value and probably one of the toughest questions of all because it doesn't matter how you perceive value it's all about how the customer perceives value and if the customer doesn't perceive value in, in what you're doing they are simply not going to buy and finally you need to know how to deliver that value and these my fellow business owners are just the fundamentals the trial and error involved in answering these four basic fundamental questions can be extremely time-consuming long hours here's another thing that will consume time we all have weaknesses every business has a weakness Superman even had a weakness and it was kryptonite but each and every one of our businesses has weaknesses and as a business owner who's treating their business like a business you need to perform constant assessments of yourself and one of those assessments is constantly and consistently defining and understanding and identifying your weaknesses and if you cannot identify at least three weaknesses in your in your business that you need to improve on that you need to learn more about you need to rethink that you need to rethink whether you are running your business like a business and what about getting an edge in your competitors one way is to outwork them strategy competition and resistance are the reasons why we need to work long hours in our business if we're treating it like a business remember is if, if business was easy everyone would be doing it but it's not easy but you must treat your business like a business to achieve the success as you define it you might say I would rather work smarter okay but if but imagine if you could work smarter and harder you'll have an edge you'll be on top this all takes time another thing another price that you pay to in order to achieve the success as you define it is no automatic salary many times in, in a business especially like in a consulting business it's feast or famine when you run a business it isn't a job where you're required to be paid 
It can be unsteady income. Now, if the cash flow is there, great. But if the cash flow isn't, the, the business doesn't owe you anything. You must understand that. This is part of the price of achieving the success as you define it. I once had a client who was starting a service business. He said that the starting capital that was needed to put into the business was 200000 I asked him why 200000 He said, well, 180000 is my salary. And if you read my ebook, Things You Must Know Before Starting a Business, you will know you must conserve capital and use capital for what is going to move the business along and be productive for the business. And be productive for the business's well-being and survival. So after I heard my client say this, and after I scraped myself off the floor, I told him that first of all, you do not take post-tax dollars put them in a corporation to come out as salary and be taxed again. And second of all, if you think you're going to make 180000 in the first year of your business, you either have one of the greatest businesses in history or you simply do not understand the challenges of running a business. One of the most difficult things to make new business owners understand, at least what I found, and especially if they come from corporate America, is that there is no automatic salary and the business does not owe you anything. Another challenge, time away from home, another price, another commitment. The need for a very supportive spouse and family is paramount. What I suggest is to have your spouse participate in your definition of success. If you have your spouse participate in the definition of success and then you explain to her the price that needs to be paid to achieve that level of success, like long hours, like no automatic salary, like time away from home, and like what I'm going to continue to this, the challenges that I'm going to continue to discuss, then you can come to some kind of agreement and have some meaningful discussion. This is critical to your survival. Next, next challenge is periods of great frustration. Like hearing the word no. No, I don't want your product or service. No, I heard nothing but bad things about that. No, I don't need that. No, I'm going to go with someone else. No, it costs too much. About a year ago, I got a referral from a client. So I called this prospective client on the phone. And after about 35 seconds of telling them who I am and what I did, the client said, a prospective client said, Why in the world? Would I ever want a service like that? Can you believe it? But it happens. It happens. You know what I did? After I got over the shock of what, of what he said, and I, I didn't hang up, all in a, this is all in about a five to ten second time span, I thought back to the client who referred me and remembered that he met my services with negativity. Nowhere near the negativity I just heard from this prospective client, but nevertheless, negativity. You know what I said to this person, this prospective client? I said, you know, a lot of companies have told me that. My best customer has told me that until he had a chance to see the incredible benefits of what I do, and I went on to explain those benefits. And he listened, and he became disarmed because in some way he felt that he was missing something. 
and he, and he wanted to listen just in case he was missing something. But this isn't a success story. I don't want to make it like it was some great, uh, you know, comeback, over, uh, overcoming an objection. But I learned something from this experience. I learned that the statement I made, that the, the counter to the objection that I made can be handled with any objection, can be said with any objection at all. And let me give you some examples. Let me say it in the context of my business. And I, after the objection, no matter what it is, I hate your company, I hate your client, I hate, I hate everything to do with your, your service. You know, a lot of clients, a lot of my best clients have said the same thing until they had a chance to see how business forecasting can help them make decisions proactively instead of reactively. Are you getting it? These are the types of, I think I've used, I've been using that counter to, to objections and it works with any objection, any objection at all. You can use that. It was very interesting. I'm sorry to, to uh, digress like that because I am talking about periods of great frustration, but I wanted to, to point that out that that strategy could be, can be used for any objection that you could possibly think of. And it works very nicely. And by the way, you could also, if you wanted to, if you're not bound by confidentiality, you could also say that, uh, say who the specific client is that was negative at first, or that might have said uh, those types of uh, objections when when you were uh, pr prospecting them. Other frustrations: employees not showing up. I used to own an outpatient clinic with unique medical services. I had respiratory therapists and physical therapists and medical directors and social workers and when they didn't show up, I was dead. I had to cancel all the appointments for the day and I lost all that revenue because of course I am not a social worker, I am not a, a, a physical therapist, a respiratory therapist or, or a doctor. How about product failures? I was in the cookie dough business and one time I got a call from a customer and he said, I just scooped out some of your cookie dough onto a pan and I found a one inch rusty nail in it. Oh my God, was that frustrating. I think I gave the guy free cookie dough for a year. But these are the things that happen. That could have been a disaster for both of us, if, if, especially for me, if it ever went into the mouth of one of my customer's patrons. Mistakes. Nothing going right. These are all frustrations that you will experience as a business owner, that you will experience if you're going to run your business like a business. This happens to all business owners, and it's bound to happen or, or is happening to you. But it's these periods of great frustration that are absolutely inevitable when you are seeking success as you define it. And what about periods of when you are in fear of the unknown or even fear of failure? Boy, that's another constant. One thing about when you're in business for yourself is you never know what is going to happen when you wake up in the morning. You, you just never know what's going to happen that day. And there are so many possibilities, so much adventure, so much unknown. Let me give you an example. About 30 years ago, I was buying a, a lot of rental real estate. And there was a 20-unit building that I bought. And when you're 
or that I was looking at looking to buy and when you're projecting what your cash flow will be when you're doing a real estate analysis it's normal to put in a provision for vacancy of about 10% of the rent which which by the way the the seven or eight year history of this particular property showed that vacancy was 8% so 8% of gross potential revenue was the vacancy 10% is a normal factor normal provision to put in for vacancy and when I was calculating the cash flow for the property I put in a provision of 20% of the rent I thought I was so smart and you know I ha and even with that provision of 20% vacancy the, the property was covering all of the costs and the mortgage and even had a little profit after that so it was a it was a great opportunity and my partner and I bought this property in the first year vacancy was 45% 45%. I would have never dreamed in a million years that almost half of the of the units would be vacant. And I could have, I could have given it to 100 economists and they would have never projected that the vacancy would be 45%. But you just never know what, what can happen. Like the nail in the cookie dough. Who knew? And if you if you do not go through any fear while you own or run your business, you're really unusual. You, you, you must you have ice water running through your, your veins. You have to fight that fear and put yourself out there. That's a constant battle. Let me give you an example of putting yourself out there. I saw this great opportunity when I was in my early 20s to purchase a retail ski store in the Boston area. It was doing two and a half million dollars and one of the things that I always loved to do was buy on terms. Really that's the only way I could buy because I had very little money. And I, I, just to give you an example, I would overpay as long as I got terms. I, I, you know, I, I'm going to be facetious here, but I would buy a business worth 500000 and I'd pay a million if I could pay a dollar a month for a million months. And, and I am being facetious, but I think you know what I mean when I say I like, to, I like to buy on terms. I was in my early 20s. I had three partners. We had to come up with a $100,000 down payment on a $600,000 price, and then we had great terms after that to buy this ski retail business that was doing $2.5 My partners came up with their share, $33,000 each. I had to come up with my $33,000, and I only had $5,000 to my name. I frantically applied for as many credit cards as I could get my hands on. And as a result, MasterCard, Visa, and American Express picked up the rest, about $28,000. My father thought I was nuts. My lawyer thought I was nuts. Every one of my friends thought I was nuts. My partners even thought I was nuts. And you know what? I was nuts in a, in a, in a, in a sense. But you have to put yourself out there. And the way this one turned out is that Five years later, we were doing $8 million and we sold to an acquisition fund operated by Merrill Lynch. But the point is, is that one of the prices you pay for running your business like a business and achieving the, sex, the success as you define it is dealing with the fear of the unknown and the fear of failure. When we come back from an 80-second break, we will talk about the energy needed to run a business. We'll be right back. What type of commitment are you making when you decide you want to start a business? What is the most important factor when starting a business? And if you don't pay attention to this one factor, you're likely to fail.
What must you know about going into business with a partner? What characteristics should you look for in a partner? How do you find out how much money you need and how to go get it? My name is Michael Barberita from Next Step CFO, and these questions and many more are answered in my new ebook entitled Things You Must Know Before Starting a Business. This book draws upon my 25 years of experience in owning retail, manufacturing, and service companies, and the book gives you the information you need before you take the plunge and start your own business. I have one more question. When you buy an ebook or any book for that matter, wouldn't you like to talk with the author to ask questions about your particular situation? I know you do. And that's why when you purchase my ebook, you get my phone number and a free one hour consultation with me to answer your questions about your specific situation. So if you want to have the only book you'll ever need when starting a business, go to www.firststepinstartingabusiness.com. That's firststepinstartingabusiness.com. And remember to use the free one-hour consultation, to which I look forward to speaking with you. Okay, we're back. Incredible amounts of energy are needed when you're running your business like a business to achieve the success as you define it. How many times can you get slapped down and get back up? That's kind of the order of the day. You need an extraordinary amount of energy to run a business, and then you need even more energy to manage your family and household and day-to-day -day life. And it is virtually a guarantee that you will be slapped down more than once. You need incredible amounts of energy to get back up. Let me give you an example of getting slapped down. When I owned the ski retail business, we had a sale that we ran every year called a tent sale. It was a four-day sale, and we pitched a tent out in the parking lots of the stores. And when we bought the company, when we first bought the company, we did about $250,000 in four days. But we had built it up to where we were doing a million dollars in four days. Talk about energy. That's nervous energy. Committing all of that inventory and advertising to an event like that can be pressing on your nerves and consequently pressing on your energy. Anyway, just to give you a little information about me, I love the sound of a cash register and the scanning device. That beep, 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 beep was a sweet sound. And during the tenth sale, the sound would be even sweeter as it would be a chorus of beeps from multiple registers. Now it was the first day of the sale in this particular case, which is always the biggest of the four days, and things were going great when all of a sudden everything went silent. The lights went out and we were having a power failure. I almost died. Fortunately, and this is where you need a little bit of luck. My partner, whose, brother's, whose brother was an electrician, was shopping in the store right at that moment. And my father, who also has an had an electrical background, was there. And we had our electricity back in 20 minutes. Wow, did that zap my energy. You need an incredible amount of energy to run a business. And you know another thing I learned from that experience is that business is not all ingenuity and guts. There is also some luck involved. Who knows what would have happened if, if the relatives uh, with the electrical backgrounds were not there on the scene at the time the lights went out. There was, there was so much at stake and it's, realist, it's very realistic that this could have put us out of business because it's hard to recover from, from a sale that you'd normally do a million dollars and you prepare for it and you have the inventory and the advertising already spent and all of a sudden you can't operate the sale. As a matter of fact, let me tell you another thing about luck. A week later, 
from that sale date, there was a hurricane in the Boston area. Just one week after that tent sale. That would have been an unmitigated disaster. Another price you pay and another thing that you have to make sure that you, you have in order from a, from a mental standpoint when you run a business is always being upbeat and enthusiastic. And this is especially true if you have employees. But even if you don't have employees, for your own mental health, you need to be upbeat and enthusiastic. In early 2007, I had a close of business. It was that medical facility, that unique health clinic that I spoke about earlier that provided very special and different services. However, even though it was not doing well, I always felt it was important to keep an upbeat and enthusiastic attitude, especially for the employees, because employees can tell when something is wrong, and it makes them nervous and, most importantly, unproductive. With a few weeks to go before I closed the clinic, I had to tell the employees that we were going to close. Although not easy, I had, a, I had kept an upbeat and positive attitude throughout, even when I knew it was over. Even when I told the employees, I kept that upbeat attitude and made a vow to them that I would help them find another job. It's not easy to do to keep that upbeat attitude, especially when things are just so bleak. But I think it was that upbeat attitude that helped me help each employee find a new job. Another challenge, racking your brains out to come up with new and different ideas, especially marketing ideas, because the most successful business people come up with good, one good marketing idea per month and then have the courage to implement those ideas. Because you can have all the best ideas in the world, but if you don't implement them to see if they work, you've got nothing. Are you ready for that? Are you doing that? And you've got to monitor the results of every one of your ideas. Back when I had my ski retail stores, we had a year with very little snow. This meant that skier visits were down, and that meant that people did not have a chance to wear out their equipment or find out if they needed a new parker or new gloves or new uh, skis or bindings. And it was, and based on that, in turn, that the fact that, that there was bad weather or no snow, in turn meant that the next ski season, at least the start of it, was going to be bad at the retail level. Because I understood who my competitors were and what they were doing, I knew my competitors sold summer sporting goods lines in the summer. We never did. We were ski specialists and did not branch out into any other area. We did nothing but skis. We were specialists at skis, and that was our positioning in the marketplace. With the bad start to the ski season being anticipated, why not? have a ski sale in July. Granted, it's hard to do, considering it is July and people are not exactly thinking about skiing, but if we could do that, I was thinking, if we could do that, we will get a jump on the competition and be the first one to grab whatever ski dollars are available in the market and no one else can, and no one else can react to that because they are selling summer goods. However, I needed to ensure that I would generate foot traffic 
to get people in the ski store in July. Believe me, this is quite a challenge. So at a trade show that I was at three months prior, in right around March of that year, and by the way, I used to get my best ideas at trade shows. I love trade shows. You get to talk shop with, with vendors, with, with competitors, with colleagues. It's just, it's just a great opportunity to get new ideas. But anyway, at that trade show, I found a promotional, fashionable, one-piece ski suit that retailed for $200 and at that wholesale for $35. They're pretty nice suits that realistically could sell day in and day out for $89.95. And this was at a time where ski suits weren't red hot, but they were popular. And this was going to be a four-day sale only in July. So I bought 600 of those ski suits. And I not and I didn't sell a one, not with the and I didn't have the intention of selling a, selling one when I bought them, because what I was doing with them is I had a promotion that the first 300 people at the door on day one of the sale would get a free one-piece suit, and then the first 100 people every day thereafter till the fourth day through the fourth day would get a free one-piece suit, no strings attached, no purchase needed. There was great risk. What if people just came and got their suit and left? I just spent $21,000 on these one-piece suits. But what I learned from retail is you need to get foot traffic. And I also learned, and I knew my customer through, through research, that skiers had a weakness, and that was the new equipment, the new clothing, the new and exciting stuff that was going to come out that ski season, or any ski season, and that's a weakness. And once they're around that, they have a propensity to buy. So there were 1,000 people were in line at the opening. I had 300 suits to give away. 1,000 people showed up. We gave away all the suits, and sure, some people got their free suit and left, but many people bought, and we, and including the people who didn't get suits, and we had a record day of business and a record sale. Two lessons learned. You come up with marketing ideas constantly, at least one a month. And the second lesson is you can sell anything if you market it right. Although I've covered this before and I've covered it on a previous show, I do want to just review it again because it is part of running a business like a business and part of the, the traps, the sand traps, and the things that you just don't think of when you're going into business. And that's personal liability. If you operate your business as a corporation, do not be fooled that you have no personal liability. Certainly, one of the reasons you do form a corporation is to shield yourself from the business for liability exposure. And for the most part, the corporation certainly accomplishes that. But you should be aware when it doesn't. I, and like I said, I do have a previous show specifically on these topics, but I will review some of the headlines right now. For example, you could be personally liable for, whether you own a corporation or not, you could be personally liable for payroll, especially vacation pay. You are definitely personally liable for any withholding taxes. You are definitely personally liable for any sales taxes. You may be personally liable to your landlord. It depends if you sign a personal guarantee on your property lease. Equipment leases almost always have personal guarantees tied with them. Credit cards in the name of the business or corporation almost always have a, a personal liability with them. Bank loans, auto and truck loans, they all have personal liability carried with them. And also be careful with respect to vendors. 
Many vendor credit applications have additional sections and blocks on the application that have personal liability language in it. Many business owners think this is just part of the application, but it is not. It is a way for a vendor to underhandedly get you to sign a personal guarantee. Look for it when you get these vendor applications and cross it out. If the vendor says something about you not signing it, then you can assess at that point how important the vendor is. But most of the time, the vendor will say nothing as they know it is something that they put on the application to try to get a bonus out of you if you sign it. Also, be aware that if you are planning to go into a business with two or more people and you're asked to be a corporate officer, don't be the treasurer because the treasurer of the corporation is the most directly personally liable for things like withholding taxes, payroll, and sales taxes not paid. Be aware that your corporation does not shield you from these things if you are in business and you're going to take it seriously and you're going to treat your business like a business, you must be aware when you are personally liable. And in order to pay this price that you're paying to run your business like a business and achieve the level of success as you define it, you must love what you do and be very passionate about your product or service. But most of all, even greater than love, you must have an undying belief and an undying faith that your product or service adds value. If you do not have this undying belief that your product or service is valuable, then all the barrel full of no's that you're going to get when you go out and make your pitch, when you go out and prospect, when you go out and sell your product, all those no's, you are going to be actually convinced that your product or service has no value and you will fail. But remember, you must love what you do, but it's only real fun if you're successful as you define it. Let me give you an example. I used to play basketball in high school and college I used to love to play. I loved the game. But I defined su success in basketball as winning. That's how I defined success. It wasn't fun when we lost. It was only fun when we won. Because to be the best you could be at anything, and especially basketball, you had to work at it. You had to run the stadium steps. You had to lift weights. You had to run sprints. It was, it, was brutally, it was brutally difficult. And it was not fun to be gasping for breath uh, after running those sprints. But it was glorious. It was all worth it when you won or when I won because that's how I define success. And it's the same thing in business. You can love what you do, but it's only fun if you are successful as you define it. And even the business that I closed, I have the, the, the uh, medical clinic, I have an undying belief to this day that those services were valuable because I saw it every day with improved patient health. But be that as it may, I still had an undying belief and faith that those products, that that service was valuable. In closing, the Eagle asked the question while teaching their young to fly. Why does the thrill of soaring have to begin with the fear of falling? Get out there, put your hands on the control panel of your business and treat your business like a business and watch it take off. And remember, like Zenyatta, 
No matter where you are in the race, always give 100%. You could be closer to victory than you think. So that is it for today. I hope you found the show useful and informative. And if you have any questions with this or any show, please feel free to call me at 781-326-3822. And until next time, this is the Cyber CFO signing off and bidding you a good day. Thank you for listening to the Cyber CFO. And remember, any rebroadcast or other use of this program or material without the express written permission of Michael Barbarita and Next Step CFO is strictly prohibited. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.